To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to the members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our meditation this morning on the celebration of the Ascension is uh, the second reading that you heard from the book of uh, Revelation this morning, uh, Revelation chapter 4. Uh, recall just these words. After these things, I saw a door standing open in heaven. I saw a throne in heaven, and someone was sitting on it. In the name of Jesus Christ, our ascended Lord, my beloved. Somebody once said that um, the crucifixion without the resurrection is meaningless. They also said that the resurrection without the ascension is incomplete. In other words, if Jesus had just risen from the dead and then disappeared, there would be a whole pile of question marks. Where did he go? Did he die again? Was he kidnapped? But because his disciples saw him visibly ascend into heaven, we know that our resurrected Lord removed his visible presence with great power and glory. You know, when you take a look around life, there are tears and there are tears. There are tears at departure and there are tears at arrival. There are tears of sadness, anxiety, and apprehension, and there are tears of happy, happiness, joy, and reunion. In no better place do you see that, and I have two nephews who are in the Navy, and every time it's time for deployment, either at the airport or at the, the, the port where the ship is leaving, there are tears. There are hugs and kisses and tears of apprehension because when your loved one leaves, you never know if you're going to see him again. But then there are the hugs, tears, and kisses at arrival when the ship comes into port. And I'll tell you, it's one big festival. Everybody tries to drive from all around the United States to meet their loved one when they get off the ship after a year, year and a half, two, whatever. And then there are tears of happiness, joy, and reunion. You know, when you take a look at the book of Acts chapter 1, those disciples with their heads cocked skyward were an anxious bunch. The disciples shouldn't have been anxious. The angels reminded them, Jesus, who was taken from you to heaven, will come back in the same way that you saw him go to heaven. So don't worry. Kind of uh, interesting to note that whenever we celebrate the Ascension, we talk about Jesus' visible departure, and we say it's his Ascension. Ascension means going up, and Jesus went up into the sky, only a little way, you know, and then a, and then a cloud came between uh, him and the disciples. Cloud always symbolized the presence of God, and when the cloud moved by, Jesus was disappeared. 
That's the way that we usually look at the ascension from a, a departure standpoint. Did you ever think about it, though, that there's an arrival standpoint too, vantage point? And that's Jesus' arrival in the heaven. And there was a welcoming party there. And they greeted him. And so this morning, as we celebrate the ascension, let's take a look at it from the vantage point of heaven. And take a look at who was there in the welcoming committee. And let it, let it serve as a foretaste of what one day we will enjoy, too. By way of Revelation chapter 4, let's just see exactly who was there in the welcoming party. The last book of the Bible. John was privileged to see a revelation by God of things that were to come in heaven and on earth. Now, God gave that vision, as some of you remember when we took a look at the book of Revelation in Bible class for quite some time, that God gave this vision in the form of pictures or symbols that represent something else than what first appears on the surface. John's vision, chapter 4, is of a throne room. And first of all, it tells us that someone was sitting on the throne. The vision describes colored jewels. It says quartz in this translation. Reflecting blinding light. And then there was an emerald rainbow around the throne. And there was lightning and noise and thunder. Did you ever think about how God, when he wanted to appear to man here on earth and talk to him? He used blinding light and thunder and earthquakes and a whole lot of noise. Think of Mount Sinai. The people were almost scared out of their minds when they were hearing God speak, receiving the Ten Commandments. St. Timothy, in his first letter, chapter 6, says this, God is the blessed and only ruler. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the only one who cannot die. He lives in light that no one can come near. No one has seen him, nor can they see him. Honor and power belong to him forever. You ever notice when you talk about seeing one sitting on the throne, you never really see him? You see light, and you see rainbow, and you hear noises. The one sitting on the throne is God the Father, welcoming his son back home. It was according to his Father's will, will that Jesus went out to suffer and die as our substitutionary sacrifice. Now that was all over. The sins of mankind had been paid. Jesus was returning, been there, done that, never going to do it again. Just as the writer to the Hebrews said, Jesus brought the sacrifice for the sins of the people once for all when he sacrificed himself. Another member of the welcoming party is described in verse 5. It says, seven flaming torches were burning in front of the throne. These are the seven spirits of God. The number seven in Holy Scripture always represents the number of completeness or fullness. One time, uh, Isaiah described the Holy Spirit in that sense when he said, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, 
the spirit of advice and power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Also, the Holy Spirit is light. There were burning torches there. The Holy Spirit is light. It was the Holy Spirit who inspired all the writers of Holy Scripture. Because you see, you can't see the way to heaven without God's Word lighting up the way. Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So the seven spirits of God is the Holy Spirit. So who do you have there in the welcoming party receiving Jesus back? The Father and the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is arriving in heaven, the completion of the Holy Trinity. Another very interesting thing of John's vision of that throne room is in verse 6. It says, in front of the throne, there was something like a sea of glass as clear as crystal. A sea of glass, no ripples, complete peace. It's kind of interesting if you take a look into the Old Testament in front of the temple, Solomon's temple, there was a big, huge basin of water, 10 feet deep, 30 feet across. And it was there for cleansing purposes. And every day as uh, the priests and the sacrifices were taking place, the priests were either filling that basin with water or taking water out for cleansing certain things. And there was always roiled water in there as they poured it in and took it out to clean things. In heaven, there's no cleansing necessary. All the dirt of sin is completely gone. There is complete peace between God and us. Heaven is a place of complete peace. No sickness, no anger, no war, no politics, no hatred, no ripples. Then verse 4 tells us 24 thrones with people in white robes were wearing crowns. Who were they? Well, we know that they were people. Because in Revelation chapter 2 we hear, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Revelation 7 says, Who are these people wearing white robes? These are the people who are coming out of that terrible suffering. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. People who had suffered for Jesus Christ died and were now in heaven. Kind of interesting, it says that there are 24 leaders on 24 thrones. Twelve is always the number of God's church. There were 12 sons of Jacob in the Old Testament, which turned into 12 tribes of Israel. That was God's Old Testament church. In the New Testament, God called 12 disciples to follow him. Twelve was God's New Testament church. So what do we see in heaven? Twelve sitting on, twelve plus twelve is twenty-four. We see the people who have gone to heaven of the Old Testament church and the New Testament church. All the saints are there and they welcome Jesus into heaven. Notice that there are people in heaven. When Christians go to heaven, they don't turn into angels. We know that God created three living creatures. He created animals, and he created angels, and he created humans. You are human now, and you will be human in heaven. And people who die in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will enter a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. 
There was somebody else in the welcoming party. Verses 6 to 8 talks about uh, these unusual beings. One had the face of a man and an eagle and so forth, and they had eyes all over the place. What in the world is that all about? Well, Ezekiel had a very similar uh, experience, and he writes in his prophecy in chapters 1 and 10 of his prophecy, and he calls those creatures there cherubim. They are angels of a certain rank. And then Isaiah chapter 6 uh, calls, uh, tells us that angels have six wings, and he calls them seraphim. So there's four creatures, must be a, a, another rank of angels, uh, maybe somewhere between seraphim and cherubim, maybe a little bit higher. And perhaps uh, there were four of them to represent the four corners of the earth that they watch over. And with their eyes, nothing escapes them. Perhaps those are four special creatures to watch over the four divisions of life here on earth. Flying animals and wild beasts and domestic animals and human beings. And the angels were singing without stopping. And the people of the earth, of, of, of heaven, were also chiming in with their words of praise too. So that's the homecoming party that welcomed Jesus at his ascension. The Father and the Holy Spirit and people and angels. So that was then. This is now. What does it have to do with us? What is this? May 21st, 2017. The significance of it all is to remind us that in Holy Scripture you get a description of truth, absolute truth, and reality. And I tell you, we're living in a world today that has lost touch with reality, and that's why there's so much chaos. Much of the world out there believes that everything that I just described to you about heaven is a bunch of fairy tales. But Scripture describes it as reality and truth for us. And to let us know for absolutely sure that there are three real places of existence. There's earth, and there's heaven, and there's hell. And that means that once you are conceived in your mother's womb, you will never go out of existence. First you exist here on earth. And after that, you either move to life in heaven or death in hell. God created three dimensions of reality. A real hell exists, created by God for the devil and his evil angels and followers. It's a real place of eternal torture, a reward for those who reject God's truth and message of grace. And there is a real heaven reserved for the children of God who are there and will be there by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if it's true that the earth and our real existence here is not all that there is, and there's really something else, and if it's true that not everybody automatically goes to heaven, then that moves us to ask, then what is this life all about? 
And what do I need to do to get ready to meet God when this life is over? And the answer is so simple and miraculous. Believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in Jesus Christ who was tortured for you, put to death for you, rose again for you, ascended into heaven visibly so that his disciples wouldn't have to wonder where he went. He ascended into heaven. And in the place of highest importance, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, he intercedes for you and for me so that we can have perfect peace. What does that mean, he intercedes for us? It means he prays for us every day. It's sort of like this. And you know what sins you commit in your your daily routine, be it thoughts or words or what actions or whatever. God the Father could look down and say, you know, I think I'm going to send those people to hell. Those Christians down there are such sinners. And Jesus steps in as our advocate, our attorney, and he intercedes for us. He says, no, Father, you can't do that. You already punished all their sins on me. You can't punish those believers in you. And God the Father says, oh, you're right, not guilty. Believe in the one who ascended far above all heavens so that he might fill all things, so that he can be everywhere in the universe at all times. There is nowhere that you can go, but Jesus is not there. He ascended and he said, I am with you always to the very end of time. As we conclude this morning, let's do it with a prayer. Bow your heads. Dear Lord Jesus, you provided a mighty, visible removal of your visible presence, but you are not gone. You arrived in heaven, greeted by your Father and the Holy Spirit, your church and the angels, and yet you are always with us. May we be numbered among your heavenly company one day too. And be privileged to say with all the company of heaven, Our Lord and God, you deserve to receive glory, honor, and power because you created everything. Everything came into existence as was created because of your will. (coughs) To the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise, honor, glory, and power forever and ever. Amen and amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate, He suffered and was buried, 
And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. 